So now they're starting to use just these random earth myths, not like history, like recent history, but like just myths, random myths Uh that turned out to be true because of Transformers. Oh, yeah. So fingers crossed, whatever the next movie is, it involves Aladdin. That's a large scale. I'm going to go for more of like an indie foreign thing with Baba Yaga, the Russian witch. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Mm -hmm. What about the Peach Boy? The Peach Transforms. Into a boy. Yeah. That was the story, right? Yes, but also there's giants that are evil, so it works really well. So a transforming peach and some evil transformer giants. Yeah. I think we've got it. The Transformers War has invaded our world, and the Earth is no match for the evil Decepticons. Led by Megatron's hunger for power, they will destroy anything in their way. Disguised as Earth vehicles, Optimus Prime and the heroic Autobots have the power to protect the world from the destruction of the Decepticons. The battle's beginning. Which side are you on? Autobot or Decepticon? Transformers figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Transformers The Last Night. Is this Transformers 4? 5. 5. Transfivers. <laughs> This movie, oh my gosh, I just, there aren't even words to describe what a mess this movie was. It was bad. A lot of the time, the way that the scenes were being cut, it looked like you were watching a trailer for it. Yes. We literally had twice as many characters as we needed. I know. Or sometimes you just felt like you were watching an ad for the Navy. (laughs) That too. It was not great. And it was so unnecessarily complicated. So we didn't really get down to like brass tacks of the story until about an hour into it. Yeah. So you know how the third Transformers movie, Dark of the Moon, had an hour at the end where you're like, okay, and now we're almost at the end. And it was an hour left. So this was the opposite. This was an (laughs) hour at the beginning. Yeah. And then you get into the plot. It really was. Um, While they were introducing terrible characters that sometimes like barely or never showed up again yeah they didn't pan out it didn't matter did you see that mitch pelleggi was in one scene no. that's skinner from the x-files oh that's funny he just flashed by for like one second and i was like wait i think that's mitch pelleggi and it is but like i don't know yeah they just hired mitch pelleggi for like to be an army guy maybe it was a cut scene oh they did actually say that there was a lot that was written and shot, but never got into the movie. Which is shameful. What was this movie supposed to be four hours long? That's what I'm saying. Like, how much did you shoot and then you just shoved it at somebody and said, make a movie out of this? Because this plot was already so unnecessarily complicated. Like, this was, <laughs> even by Transformer standards, yeah. this was so complicated. It was bad. I mean, there's was... literally parts of my outline where I wrote stuff because I'm pretty sure that's what happened, but I, I couldn't really tell. I had a lot of question marks in my notes. I... I didn't understand some things that happened. And it was really hard to get any emotions up about any, even the tiny stories. Because there were so many characters. I didn't care about any of them. Yeah, no, no. And they never fleshed anybody out. I feel like. And so in this movie, they were like, what's a shortcut to humanizing someone? Having them be angry all the time? Got it. Well, the other way to humanize people is to just, like, have them swear a lot, so... Oh, they did that. In that case, they were very much trying to humanize all of the Transformers because it's hilarious when robots swear a lot. Also and Anthony old Hopkins. Men. Yeah. It's also really funny when Anthony Hopkins swears. And this plot, okay, so there's Optimus's plot, there's an army plot, but there's also within the army 
two factions that are fighting. Yes. Then we have the plot about the little girl, uh-huh. the plot about Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Which kind of coincides with the plot about the hot Oxford professor. Kind of, but like... With a little bit of a romance thrown in. Yeah. Then we have Anthony Hopkins. The Arthurian, Arthurian legend bit. Legend flashbacks. Tony Hale's story. Yes. And a group of entirely new Transformers being introduced. And a setup for the next movie. Yeah. This was so complicated. It was insane. Although, because I've been reading the Wikipedia page for Transformers to figure out what the actual show was about versus this... <laughs> um, versus the movie series, I actually did recognize the name Unicron. Oh, okay. Yeah. Apparently Unicron was the product of a rather tragic story arc in Transformers. I still don't get what Unicron is. Is Unicron all of Earth? Yeah, so apparently Unicron... So after seeing this movie, I went back and checked out his actual page, mm-hmm. which, like, fun fun bit of trivia, he was first voiced by uh, Orson Welles. Not... <laughs> Unicron is a planet, is a transformer that can transform into a planet. They literally, they just came out and said it at the end of the movie. They were like, during a voiceover. Yeah. He's like, there's a secret deep within Earth's core. Yes. It's not what you think. And I, the answer, by the way, is always a transformer. In this series, it's always a transformer. I know. And they, I think they didn't say Earth's core. I think they just said deep within the Earth. And I was like, oh, in the next one, we're going to find out that deep in the Earth's core, it's like actually a transformer. So I'm really sad that I, (laughs) I just said that and it was true. Anyway, uh, let's get started because this movie is a monster and I'm so <laughs> sorry this outline is going to make very little sense in parts. I tried to make as much sense of it as I could, yeah. but I'm not even hitting all of the hilarious details. So we begin in England in the Dark Ages where the Britons are fighting a group of multi-ethnic barbarians in a fierce battle with lots of fire and explosions. The Britons are also multi-ethnic, which uh, yeah. strikes me as odd. There is literally a black knight at did, the round table. Did they capture a moor and bring him back? I'm just going to assume these were wanderers, maybe, who just wandered super far off. So, you know, that's a question mark. Arthur and his multi-ethnic knights are hanging out in the back, like heroes, <laughs> waiting for Merlin to show up and save the day. Arthur has faith in him, but his knights are more skeptical because he's super duper drunk and just a terrible fake wizard. Quick question. Who plays Merlin? It's Stanley Tucci, a character from the last movie who is unrelated in this. But they just liked him so much. Okay, actually, this makes me wonder if he signed on for a two-picture deal in the last one. Oh. Because I wonder if they were like, we know you're going to not, you're never not going to be making these. Give him two movies and he'll do it. That's probably true. And then yeah. they didn't. But write. they didn't have anything for Joshua Drish, which I don't understand why. They might as well have just shoehorned him in with all the other characters they brought back. <laughs> I know. It would make about as much sense. Yeah. So then we see Merlin, who is so drunk that he's literally talking about how drunk he is to the no one that's around him as hey, he rides now. up the he's mountain. riding a horse. He could be talking to the horse. <laughs> yes. Also, that was a huge tonal shift. It was super, super drama, and then the knights are like, oh, Merlin, he's such a drunk. And then it cuts to him, and he's like, oh, I'm sozzled. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was a really quick change. Well, not unexpected for the Transformers yeah, I should have seen that coming. It was getting a little too serious. We needed some comic <laughs> relief. We had a whole three minutes of drama. Yeah. 
he rides up a mountain where he meets dun, 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 a transformer. Who would have guessed? This is nuts. Just when we thought there wouldn't be any opening voiceover, though, Anthony Hopkins starts jabbering on about magic. Oh, yeah, that was a weird thing he said, too. Magic does exist. It was found long ago inside a crashed alien ship. What a weird sentence for yeah. anyone to say, much less Anthony Hopkins, especially because yeah. I'm watching Westworld right now. So oh, it's yeah. really weird to see him in this. <laughs> that would be weird. So Merlin begs the Transformer, who's one of the Knights of Iacon, a group of warriors nobly hiding out on Earth. <laughs> hiding is noble. Go on. Yeah. Uh, he asks him for help, and the Transformer gives him a staff and a dragon Transformer, which I should say, I don't know. They, I feel like they don't make this super clear, but on the Wikipedia page, I have come to realize that the, the dragon, which Merlin rides and which will show up later... He's actually all 12 of the Knights of Iacon combined to form this three-headed dragon. Yeah, that was not clear to me until Mark explained it to me. Yes. Later. I had never caught that. No, I, I don't think they hit that hard enough, which is weird in a movie about Transformers that, like, 12 guys are transforming into a three-headed dragon. I feel like that's kind of cool and you should show it. Well, yeah, because they're like, here's this staff, protect it with your life, whatever, but we're giving you this staff and Dragon Storm, or whatever the dragon's name is. It makes it sound like you're giving him something other than yourself and all your friends. I know, right? Here's this dragon. It's actually 12 guys. <laughs> Including me. Yeah. Just so you know. The Britons win the battle and were left with the wise words, without sacrifice, there can be no victory. Oh, gosh. Which I feel like was actually something from the first movie, but maybe not. It's been such a long time, I don't remember. That's the thing. It was so hard for me to remember, like, where did they get those swords? Was it in the last movie? I don't know. Yeah. There's been so much. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, through voiceover, catches us up on where we are in the series, thankfully. Optimus has gone to meet his ma- makers in a non-religious sort of way. Megatron's missing. Transformers are illegal everywhere but Cuba for some reason. What? Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that. That doesn't make any sense. Nope. The entire world has banished them except for Cuba, which does make me wonder why all the Transformers aren't in Cuba. Yeah. Where they're openly living. Fidel Castro's cool with it. It's weird that only, like, they should have had, like, five countries or something. Well, it is weird that it would only be Cuba, because I'm like, if you're just going for countries that want to make, like, America and Europe annoyed, I don't know why, like, North Korea and China wouldn't also be cool. Well, well to Russia be fair, they did destroy be... a lot of China. But, yeah, like, but Russia would be, like, number one on that list. Right. Well, certainly, I feel like the North Koreans would Venezuela? be crazy enough to have, to be like, yeah, sure, Transformers, come over here. But, for some reason, Transformers keep showing up every day, and Hopkins wisely questions why they keep coming coming to Earth. I'm so glad that somebody finally brought this up. I know. In the decimated city of Chicago, a gang of boys sneak into an alien no-go zone. They're quickly discovered by a Homeland Security drone, and they're, they're now affiliated with... TRF is the anti-trans, like the worldwide anti-transformer organization. So mm-hmm. TRF is is basically going to be who we're talking about when we talk about the government. Yeah. Not always, though, because there's a schism. It's ridiculous. But like these drones, by the way, are really more like what were those giant two-legged things in Star Trek? Or sorry, Star Wars on Hoth. Oh yeah, they're yeah they're kind of trundling around. They're like a lot and, shorter than mm-hmm. that and better than that, but that's kind of what they are. Yeah. 
So they're discovered by the drone, but they're rescued by a streetwise girl named Isabella with a Z for no reason. And her pet transformer, Squeaks, who looks like no other transformer in the series. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He looks like a cartoon of a transformer. Yeah. He, he has huge round eyes and like a domed head and he he's a Vespa. He transforms into a Vespa, although we never see him transform. He does have the Vespa logo on yeah. his front. Giant Coke bottle eyes. I yeah. Mean, it's weird. He looks more like Wally. Yeah, he does. That is what he looks like. Yeah. Oh. So they and the kids hide away and the drone loses interest and wanders off. So the best government technology we had available. Yeah. <laughs> But TRF's not as dumb as they seem because they fire upon the Transformers from the sky. Turns out there's a human attached to it. We find out that more Transformers have been hiding there. And one of them dies in an attempt to save the kids. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's the thing. We're 15 minutes into this movie. I actually stopped to see how early in this movie did I literally write down this movie is such a bummer. I know. I know. Instantly people are like dying. It's also, by the way, it's not that fun to watch a bunch of kids run around in mortal danger. Yeah. It was not a fun chase scene. It well, was, I was worried that children were going to die. Especially because these children wound up causing the death of a super nice seeming transformer. It wasn't quite as traumatic as Ironhide dying in the last movie. Yeah. But it, it, it was the still. The problem is it like brought me like flashbacks of Ironhide dying. No, I, I was. Equally dumb. I was super sad also. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah, because so he was trying cool. to protect the kids and then he winds up getting killed for it. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. really upsetting. Luckily... The whole movie is not just Transformers being killed by humans. But I am like, guys, can we please get over this plot line? I'm so sick of it. Yeah. Especially since every at the end of every movie, we end on this positive note of like, now humans are going to work together with Transformers. And it, it keeps not happening. So, vigilante Mark Wahlberg, a.k.a. Cade. Cade Yeager, the manliest name. Yep, he's come back in the last movie because we definitely needed him. I always The name always makes me think of when Homer Simpson was going by Max Power and yeah. then he got off the hairdryer. <laughs> it does sound really made up. Yeah. So Cade and Bumblebee show up, get the kids out of there, and they try to save one of the hiding Transformers who gives him a talisman before dying. Then TRF tries to arrest him, and as Bumblebee defends him, we see that he now has the ability to fight while in pieces and reassemble himself I from, th- like, far away, like, Magnet style. Yeah, like, so I thought that that was going to be something where Mark Wahlberg is an inventor, and I thought that this was going to be, they were going to go into it and be like, yeah, I found a way for them to do this and this and this, and, like, we we made them better. But we was just never addressed at all. No, it wasn't. And he, they're clearly building Bumblebee up to be like more, like more of an awesome, like super soldier, whatever. Clearly yeah. because of the prequel that will be coming out. Uh huh. That makes sense. Because now they they spend all their time talking about what an amazing soldier he is and how he had a life before they met him and like he fought in World War Two and oh, like yeah. all of these and he's been a, a warrior since Cybertron. So remember when they said in the first movie that they all learned English from the internet? Mm-hmm. Remember how now they've all been speaking English on Earth for a really long time before the internet? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. There's some more problems with the whole voice thing that yeah will also come up later. <laughs> So then, as they're fighting, Bumblebee's fighting off the government, Josh Jamel shows up. Oh, yeah. We can't shake that guy. Do you remember him from the first three movies? He was the military guy, the go-to military guy that was working hand-in-hand with the Autobots. Fergie's ex-husband? I'm not soon going to forget him. (laughs) 
Uh, they brought, they decided to bring him back, which does make sense, uh, except that now he's in a really complicated spot, and we haven't seen him during the transition, so he just kind of shows up, and he still is kind of clearly pro-Autobot, but, like, having to work with the TRF, which is anti-all-Transformer. He, uh, had to take some time off to transition from his fully dyed head of hair to, like, a salt and pepper <laughs> look that he has now. Yeah, and, the, like, the more modern haircut. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had a midlife crisis, and now he's back. <laughs> yeah. Looking better than ever. But Josh Duhamel lets them go because he's like, not all Transformers are bad. And Hashtag like, not all Transformers. Right. Well, yeah, but they were also trying to, like, arrest. I don't know how he had the authority to do this. This is very, this whole, like, because he is essentially going to represent the army, which has a different agenda than the TRF. And it's very complicated to figure out exactly what each specific agenda is and how they work together mm-hmm. and how one is not able to overrule the other. Well, normally, I think... I am by no means an expert, but I feel like usually when something new and for a specific purpose comes up, like the TRF, mm-hmm. I feel like they're usually given preference over other objectives. Well, because also, they were created for like a pressing national security or perceived national security need. Well, and also they're and so a they're global just, organization. Yeah, and so they're just given carte blanche. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened here like it kept going back and forth but the army does seem to be actively working against them they yeah they literally had secret meetings right about it so yeah so we see back at headquarters josh jamel showing pictures of the old transformer the one that gave him the talisman to general morshauer who's also back (laughs) saying that the transformer is older than optimus and then they immediately change subjects so i don't know why that was even mentioned, but we immediately transition to their surveillance of the Decepticon barricade. They have a recording of him talking to Megatron, who's talking about the importance of getting the talisman as it will lead them to the staff. Also, it was kind of funny because when he was like, that voice haunts haunts my nightmares, it was kind of funny because Hugo Weaving did him in the first three movies and this was Frank Welker. Well, I know because it's the different transform. It's, you know, his new body. It's a different voice. Yeah. Yeah. But... Maybe it just means the tone, the evilness <laughs> of the voice haunts them yeah. in his nightmares. So then Joss Jumel and General Morshauer lament the absence of Optimus, so we know they're still good guys, basically. Yeah. Also, is this the scene where they were underground and he was like, this is where I deal with the dark stuff? And I was like, yeah. is that why it's so dark in here? <laughs> like, you can't separate the two meanings of the word? Yeah. <laughs> so this is now the perfect time for us to check in with Optimus, who's just landed on Cybertron, saying... My world. What has happened to my world? You left your world because millennia ago it because up. it was dying. You constantly talk about how your world is dead and dying and awful, and that's why you left it. And that's yes. why literally no one lives on Cybertron anymore. Why are you acting like this is a surprise? That was so weird to me. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that every single person in the audience was like, what? Right. Unless you just didn't realize how ugly it looked now or something. Like, <laughs> but it's even I don't know more why you dead than when I left it. I thought there would be like four or five guys bumming around in the ashes. Right. They constantly talk about how their world has been destroyed. This is, yeah. And, and that's not the reason that he went back either. So it's weird for him to be focusing on that. It, it wasn't like, I'm pretty sure Cybertron's a thriving planet and I'm going to go ask some people there what's going on. Yeah. It was, there's like a specific person or people that I am looking for and I'm going to go back here because it's the only lead you have. Yes. And we meet her. Her name is Quintessa. The prime of life, she calls herself. I didn't know prime's got to be the prime of something. Yeah, I didn't either. Also, she's tiny. 
she is very small, but she can float in the air, so she can still have conversations face-to-face. Yeah. <laughs> she's waiting there to greet him. She chains him up and berates him a bit for destroying Cybertron, but she's got a plan to fix it. By the way, this is after Optimus immediately starts trying to, to fight her. Yeah. And I was like, so that's not something really that Optimus would do. You just didn't know how to get a fight going and show that she's more powerful without having her seem super evil. Yeah. So her plan is basically, like, she explains that her staff of creation was stolen by her 12 guardian knights and hidden on Earth. And she wants Optimus to bring it back to her so she can rebuild Cybertron. So... If I am Optimus listening to this, my first thought is, why did all 12 of your guardian knights steal the staff? That's what I said. I was sitting there and I was like, oh, they definitely didn't run away because you're secretly very evil. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's hardcore. Like, that's not, you know, the fallen where it's one transformer that falls away and (laughs) becomes the father of all Decepticons. Also, what? Hang on. That was so long ago. 400 AD? Mm -hmm. Why did nobody know about her... Like, after that. Also, what has she been doing in the meantime? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not like like it suddenly resurfaced. Yeah, like, why didn't Optimus know about, like, why does nobody know about her except for these 12 knights? Wouldn't she go underground after that? Right. She should have been immediately trying to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't explain, like, I was, and then they chained me up in a place that I only recently escaped from. It's like, no, no explanation. She just was biding her time. Yeah. And they make this. So this is clearly a tie-in to the last movie where it was, like, the bounty hunters coming for the creations. Mm -hmm. And he was like, your creators made you for a purpose and you're not fulfilling that purpose. So is this the creator? Because A, why were you saying it as plural? B, why is this just now happening? Like, it it does, none of that adds up. Yeah, she does claim to be the creator, but... But then, then, like, based on It only causes more questions than it answers. Yeah, based on things that happen later, you kind of assume that she was lying about that. Right, because she doesn't seem to be more powerful than Unicron. Like, she seems to be afraid of Unicron. So Mm -hmm. is Unicron also a creator? Or, I mean, I don't, well, I guess the next movie will tell us. Based on that that one horn we saw, I have to tell you that I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And he has six horns, apparently. Oh, okay. We all together. Back on Earth, Anthony Hopkins, who's an English lord, whose name I will never say, he'll be Anthony Hopkins the whole time. Sir Edmund, just for the completionists here. Can we talk real quick oh, about yeah, yeah. the reveal of him? <laughs> sure. It was so dramatic. And I was like, <laughs> it, it's it's like he was a character from a previous movie that we're supposed to be like, oh, it's that guy again. We yeah. love that guy. Because he does the, like, turning around and like, oh, it's me from the shadows. And I was like, well, we've never seen this guy before. Also, he did the voiceover. Everyone knew it was Anthony Hopkins. I know. I think we're just supposed to be blown away that it's Anthony Hopkins. Like, then you shouldn't have had him voiceover before this. So Anthony Hopkins and Cogman, a steampunk transformer, who's serving as his butler and has served as the butler for his family for 700 years. Also, does he transform into anything? Because I kind of feel like he doesn't. So I don't know if we can call him a transformer if he doesn't transform. Maybe he just doesn't, but he can. I don't know. He also looks really different, though. Like, he does. The Wikipedia page literally describes him as a steampunk transformer. Yeah. Um, This voice actor was the butler on Downton Abbey, also. Oh, well. 
Good for him for getting another job. I think one of the writers of this movie, one of three writers, I wonder how this turned into such a mess, um, <laughs> really liked Downton Abbey, and so he wanted to get that guy. For the well, especially like, oh, it's an English lord, so let's give him a butler, and let's yeah. make him a transformer. And th- But this is the, the thought process that leads to these things, because this is another transformer that's unlike any transformer that we've ever seen, and it's super weird. And anyway... But the two of them, Anthony Hopkins and Cogman, are getting excited over something. They say the night has arrived, the talisman has been bestowed. But we're not going to stick with them because we're cutting wildly between plot lines. They don't here. have enough to ever have like full scenes. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They're just like, oh, here's a taste of this, here's a taste of this. We don't want you to forget that guy. Right. <laughs> it made it really difficult to do the outline. Yeah, at one point way into the movie, I was like, man, remember when Tony Hale was in this movie and like his thing seemed important that he was talking about? <laughs> yeah. Nope. We meet now another character, another new character named Vivian Wembley. She's a star on the polo field, but can't manage to park her car at Oxford without knocking over oh a row of bicycles. Oh my gosh, that bothered me so much. I was like, A, that's not a parking spot, clearly. <laughs> B, hot ladies are terrible at driving. and You they... weren't charmed by the fact that she's super good at polo, but really bad at driving? Like, this is charming, Hannah. I also charming. thought they had insanely dramatic music for that polo match. He did. Also, her ability at polo never gets brought up again. It's unimportant. No. It's... Oh, it's so weird. This whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like they were trying to describe, like, how English she was. But she's also a professor of English at Oxford. So, and she sounds super English. And she's surrounded by old ladies at her house, which feels English. Yeah, like, maybe they were supposed to be like, oh, look how high class she is. But that was already conveyed via everything else. Right. But she has a lot to say about the King Arthur legend, which we hear when she, a professor of English at Oxford, is giving a bunch of high schoolers a tour around a museum. See, that was weird. At first I was like, oh, she's a professor. And then I was like, oh, no, those kids are in high school. Yeah, she's a docent. Yeah, no, she's not a professor. And then I was like, oh, wait, later on, yes, she is a professor and a doctor. Yeah, she's got a million degrees and is super well-respected. And she's taking her time to show high schoolers around a museum. Yeah, that was weird. And explain briefly her opinion on why we have legends and why the King Arthur legend is important. It's because we want to believe believe that we can be heroes in our own lives. When all seems lost, a few brave souls, us, can save everything we've ever known. I thought that was really convenient that like we can see immediately that she's wrong because the painting is of the three-headed metal dragon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we did see it in a flashback. Although there is no magic because that would be too unbelievable. In this movie about Transformers. Although, I will say, because they keep being like, sufficiently advanced technology seems like mad. The Arthur C. Clarke quote. But, like, no, some of this is just certifiably magic because it doesn't agree with anything else that we've ever seen. These aren't consistent scientific rules rules. of these movies. Right, these are just the whims of you guys wanting to do this. I mean, I'm well versed in the concept. I just watched a very pointed Star Trek TNG episode about it. (laughs) So now we go back to Cade. Oh, thank goodness. Continuing to jump wildly. Missing Mark Wahlberg's uh, contributions to this movie. Exactly. We see insanely long hair. Cut your hair, dude. Oh, I know. I'm like, I know you're on the run, but like, it's not that much work to cut your hair. I couldn't handle it the entire movie. So he's holed up in a junkyard on an Indian reservation 
with Hound, Drift, and Crosshairs, who are still around. Um, also, let's just list them all here. Uh, Bumblebee, of course. Mm-hmm. I assume most of the Dinobots, we only see Grimlock, but I assume the other ones are there, too. Probably because there's babies. And, yes, a bunch of di- baby Dinobots, which just raises a ton so, of questions. So many questions. Are Especially we- since in previous movies we've established that the Transformers can't have any more babies without... The auto spark. Yeah. All spark. All spark. Yeah, and also, like, do they grow? They're so tiny. Yeah. They must grow, but that's weird. Yeah. We've been given no indication of that in previous movies. Yeah. Because then Wheelie should be a child. Wheelie, by the way, also there. (laughs) We can't lose this guy. Thank goodness. Wasn't Wheelie not in the last movie? Wasn't it Brains, not Wheelie, that was in the last movie? Mm -hmm. So Wheelie's come back and Brains is missing. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. He's sorely missed. Also, some guy named Jimmy who's completely unimportant. He's just there for banter, I guess. Yeah, he's supposed he's, to be working for Cade. He's basically the T.J. Miller character of this movie, but yeah, it wasn't as good. Right, he doesn't double cross them, and he doesn't die. So that's everyone who's there. Oh, They'll, hang on, please tell me you're not forgetting Day Trader. Well, he sh- he doesn't live there. Okay, so he shows up, voiced by Steve Buscemi. Yes, because we needed another actor in this movie. He drops in for a visit, bringing a new voice box for Bumblebee, because that's really a plot point we need to revisit right now. Yeah, everyone's so worried about it. And also, he identifies the Knights of Iacon Talisman, which is apparently a sign of the apocalypse. Yeah, he was like, well, that's not real. Give it to me. I'll take it out of your hands. Uh, That can't be real. And then he was like, why do you think it's not real? Also, if you want it, it must be valuable. And he's like, honestly, if it was real, I would leave Earth. Yeah. Because that would be a really bad sign. Yes. So, and we're never going to see Day Trader again. No. He just showed up for this. Thank you, Steve Buscemi, for your work. (laughs) Thank you for your service. Yes. We also see that Isabella and Squeaks have followed Kate from Chicago, so they pop up. Yes. I don't know where they are in relation to Chicago. Hopefully pretty close, because she's 14. Really unclear. Well, her family's dead. Well, her family's dead. She's attached to Squeaks and the the Transformer that died. Yeah. And she's 14, so, like, I feel like that's quite a trek. I she, know. She doesn't seem to have hidden in the back of his car or anything. Yeah. And that This whole plot was so weird, because it was like, there's so many ethical issues that were, were raised with her being a homeless 14-year-old. Yeah. That were never gone into. And you felt like she should have been more important than she was. The thing is, we needed either Isabella or Vivian. We didn't need both of them. Yeah. And you can clearly see that because Isabella is not in most of the movie. Yeah, they drop her pretty fast. Yeah. But Cade reluctantly takes Isabella under his wing because she's spunky, sad, and good with mechanics. It's so funny, though, because at first... He's like, nope, get out of here. I've got too many strays already. And I was like, mm, your other strays are robots that are adults. So <laughs> I don't, mostly adults. So yeah. maybe like calm down about that. And also like she's a child. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, go home. And she's like, I don't have a home, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you can't stay here. And I was like, really? A 14 year old just told you they're homeless and like, you don't care. And then he was like, uh, get out of here. 12 um, year old JLo. And... Then she was like, I'm 14. And he's like, then he's basically like, hey, cherish your childhood, homeless child (laughs) that I just kicked out. You should behave like a child, even though you have no home and are very sad. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, because he's living near an Indian reservation. Why can't he just give her to one of those families until they can sort something out? Yeah. Well, she didn't want to go into foster. Well, yeah, but tough. 
You're 14. Yeah, nope. There's a lot of junkyard she can just go live in, apparently. The two of them exchange family stories. Hers is dead, and his is out of reach, because we're not going to see his daughter or her boyfriend in this movie. Yeah, we hear her on the phone once. Super necessary. Because he's on the run from the government, he's wanted, and can't reveal his location or... He calls her sometimes and, like, doesn't say anything. Yeah. And she so, just talks to him. So here's the deal about the phone calls. Yeah. He calls her sometimes. She knows that it's him because he doesn't say anything, which I yeah. feel like must mean she has a lot of phone calls with, like, the little, like, the auto dialers that call you up and then hang up. I know. And she's like, I love you, Dad, to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so the calls can only last for 20 seconds before they get traced, right? So... 20-second call. That's definitely how tracing Also, works. he can't... Right. Very scientific. Also, he can't say anything because if he says something the government would be able to identify his voice and trace where he is guys it's one or the other i know if it takes 20 seconds to trace the phone call no matter what he should be able to say something within that 20 seconds i know they can't bug her phone also like is this why are we only concerned with this they know she's his daughter they can bug her phone i know like is this the fugitive just don't stand next to the l like what what are they gonna identify you by especially your voice right and especially if they're they're bugging her phone anyway. I know if they already then, know it's you, right? Then they can still hear whatever you're nearby. Yeah. Oh my god. The identifying factor is not your voice here, apparently. Right. So it should either be your voice or it should be tracing the phone call in twenty seconds. Like to have both is insane. Yeah. Now we cut back to the desert because we spent too much time with Cade. So we cut to various, <laughs> agreed. Yes, we cut to various deserts where we discover six horns that are growing in, at an exponential rate. That Anthony Hopkins and John Turturro remember him. He's back hanging out in Cuba. I do, and I'm sad that he's back. Yes, and he's hardly in it. Also, yeah, thank goodness. The two of them are looking into it, and Hopkins ominously says that Cybertron is coming. <gasps> I don't know how he got that yeah, from what he saw. Based on the, the research he has to do later in the movie, yeah, he shouldn't have known that that no. meant Cybertron was coming. He should not have known that. No. Completely erroneous. Also, since we, we discover that it's actually just the sign that Unicron exists, yeah. it doesn't feel that important. So then we cut to Buster from Arrested Development. <laughs> Tony Hale. I love him. He's confirming the same thing to TRF. By saying that a gravitational anomaly caused by a planet-sized object will kill everyone in three days' time. Yes. Um, I feel bad because I really love Tony Hale, and I think he's great. He was not given a lot to do in this movie. He was also one of those characters that could have been completely cut in this movie. We really didn't need anything he had to say. No. He's, he mostly just confirms things Yeah, that we already know from other plot lines. I guess it's so that the government also knows. We don't care... No, this and is, I yeah, know this the, is them only, the only reason that you would need them to know is because later on they sort of team up. So maybe it's, but that didn't need to have like a movie long, right? All lead you up. need, well, all you need to do is have to have Josh Shamel be like, "We know that this is happening." Exactly. Oh god, we'll take your word for it, man. But we've also spent too long with that. So now let's cut to Megatron, who was contacted the TRF. And we're hearing this through Josh Jamel. Yes. But Megatron has contacted TRF. He's got two CIA hostages, and he wants some of his Decepticons released. And the Justice Department says, sure. Because that's the way this movie is going to work. This was so weird to me. This was bizarre. This sound, it was like it came from a completely different movie. Yeah, I know. This felt like it was the Dirty Dozen. But it wasn't, by the way. It's not going to be. It was just a complete shift in what the movie is. 
Yeah. Also, he had two CIA hostages. They released to him four Decepticons. I know. And the whole time, he's bullying them and threatening them because they send some some Justice Department lawyers out to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And they have no control over the With situation. Yeah, they have no control over the situation. So I'm like, if they if they literally have no control over the situation, why don't they? Why are they even agreeing to trade hostages? This is insane. Because then they say things literally like this. This whole scene is played for laughs. Yeah. One of the people that they wind up releasing, they're like, okay, but he can't leave the county. We're serious about that. Yeah. Or like this guy. Okay, well, if he wears a GPS tracker, it's okay. Well, I'm like. Like, what is that going to do? For one thing, they're going to take the tracker off. They're going to leave the county. Like, they're not just trying to live peaceful, normal lives. Like, this is yeah. not... They're Decepticons. They're going to go all over the country. They've never stayed in one place for very long. Yeah. And and really, what, what they're cool... Like, they just want the trade to happen as long as the army can keep an eye on them. And I'm like, right, the army's been great at that so far. <laughs> I know. Also, what does it matter if the army's keeping an eye on him? Like, are they allowed to stop nefarious plans from happening? This whole thing was so weird. It was weird. But at the end of the day, Mohawk, Dreadnought, Nitro Zeus, and Onslaught are released. So, Morshower and Josh Jumel cannily deduce (laughs) that Megatron wants something. (laughs) More than just all of his guys back? Yeah. And Josh Jumel is sent to track him. The Decepticons immediately head to Cade's junkyard... And TRF, as they're following them, make it sound like they also know that Kate is there at the junkyard. But I guess that's not true. This was one of those confusing things where I couldn't tell who knew what. Yeah. But the important thing is that both Decepticons and TRF are headed to the junkyard. (laughs) The humans hightail it out of there and the Transformers uh, hold them off. But then there's like, they also, as they're leaving, what they're actually doing is just moving back to a place where they think, I guess, they can defend it better. This was so weird. A bunch of stuff just kept happening, and I I didn't know why. I was so unclear as to where they were for this entire scene. Yes, because they they were like, oh, let's get out of here. But then they were just hanging out, and they're hiding in some abandoned town with the Transformers trying to, like, lay in wait for the Decepticons. Yeah, where, like, the church and the hospital and, like, everything is super close to each other. And, like, they would just go from scene to scene and, like, we're like, oh, they're in a hospital now. Oh, like, yeah. Now they're in, like, a bank or something. So this is a really confusing action scene. But what basically happens is that the TRF shows up and they're hunting the humans. And the Decepticons show up and they're fighting the Autobots. As Cade and his friends are running away from the TRF, Cogman shows up and rescues him and reveals that the medallion won't leave Cade until his mission is complete. He has been chosen. Oh. Cogman takes Cade off to England and also Bumblebee, I guess, because Bumblebee's yeah, there with he's him. he's got to be there for everything. Yeah, and Josh Jamel re- reveals that the Decepticons are in hot pursuit. Back on Cybertron, which is now just two days away from Earth, Optimus's brainwashing continues. Quintessa reveals that Earth is actually Unicron, as we've already discussed, the mm-hmm. huge planet-sized Transformer, which is Cybertron's ancient enemy. Now the plan is, drain Unicron with the staff. The Earth dies, and Cybertron is reborn with that energy. Also, Optimus is now Nemesis Prime, with a dashing red stripe on his face, and his brainwashing is complete. Yeah, I was like, why do you need to chain him up and electrocute him even after he was fine with it? I guess just to finish. Well, he she hadn't named him Nemesis Prime yet. So oh, that, that, that was, was the final step. Yeah. So in England, 
Vivian is watching the news with a bunch of older female relatives who are trying to find a man for her in the classifieds because it's hilarious. Yeah, because that's what high class ladies try to do. Like, yeah. look through the classifieds. They're saying hilarious things like, what's a BBW? Yeah. Also, apparently all of her male relatives are dead because we only ever see those <laughs> women all living in the same house just hanging out. Yeah. Turns out Vivian's got daddy issues because he was always too busy for her. And kept yelling at her to get out of his study. Yeah. It's important in here. <laughs> uh, she gets in her car to go, I don't know, to the university maybe. The important thing is she gets in her car. Because <laughs> she never gets where she wanted to go. And it turns out it's a Transformer. We did briefly see Hopkins earlier, like when she was giving the museum tour, messing around with her car. So now it's a Transformer. <clears throat> yeah, this is after she found a note that was like, you're requested immediately this very moment for high tea by Sir Edmund. Yeah, and then, like, and then the she's door's like, locked what? And... and then she goes there anyway, and I was like, was, was this just so she would know where she was being kidnapped to? I know. Yeah, because the door's lock, and then the car starts driving itself. Yeah. And, um, so this car is voiced by Omar Sy. Yes! Yes, who, for anyone who doesn't know, is a French actor. He was quite charming. Yes, and he's the guy from The Untouchables. Yes, and also he's in Micmacs. Oh, it's probably in some other stuff, too. (laughs) As much as I love Omar Sy, I I really hope this is going to be a low point in his career because this car causes so many problems for me with the accent. So (laughs) I know. So he's French accent, obviously, which makes sense because this guy's French. I don't know if he could speak English without an accent. Yeah. So he's a very heavy French accent. The Transformer, which presumably chose the French accent, has a name that is unpronounceable in English with a French accent. His name is Hot Rod. Oh, that's right. He can't say his name. No one can understand him when he says his name, which uh, is hilarious. But which only causes, why Why would your English name be Hot Rod when you have a French accent and can't say it to anyone? Yeah, that was weird. And then he, Anthony Hopkins was like, well, he just loves that French accent. And then he was like, no, I hate it. I just can't get rid of it. And I was like, Which what? causes even more problems. They don't choose their own accent. I don't understand. I Their accents have always bothered me anyway. My thing is, if I was a robot... And could learn everything through just downloading it into my brain. I would speak English with a perfect accent, and then I would speak Japanese with a perfect accent. And then I, I would know. speak French with a perfect accent. Like, that's the joy of being... You don't have to retrain your tongue. You don't have a tongue. Exactly. Well, I think they do have tongues, but that's unrelated to their yeah, speaking. Yeah, but I never thought about that. So, this is a French robot that can't... That actually transforms into a Lamborghini, ironically, but... Only after he it sees another one. Well, like yeah. He didn't know that they existed. And then he was like, oh, I'll this be is, that. This is what all the Transformers do. They always do it in the middle of the road. I'm like, guys, Transformers are currently wanted by literally every government in the world. Yeah, Why are you doing don't. this so flashly? Well, he started getting pulled over by the cops, and then we just never saw that cop car again. Yeah. So once everyone's there, and everyone is Anthony Hopkins, Cogman, Cade, Bumblebee, Hot Rod, and Vivian, we finally get the main plot of the movie explained. Yes, but you want to know, don't you, dude? Why they keep coming here to Earth? Which is the question I've been wanting to have answered since the first Transformer movie. Although, I would like them to start with why they first started coming here from the very, very beginning. Yeah, like, why does it turn out that, like, now... This is so ridiculous. Now, like, Earth is a Transformer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is so... St- 
stupid. But no Transformer knew it or could detect it, apparently, because no one ever mentions it. Transformers don't, they're really bad at detecting mechanical things, weirdly. Until it's plot relevant, then they're really good at it. Yeah, like when Bumblebee got a tracker shot onto his butt while he was a car and, like, didn't notice and couldn't track it. Yeah. So, Anthony Hopkins explains that he's the last surviving member of the Order of the Witwickens. That bothers me a lot. (laughs) Right. Which, if if everyone remembers, uh, from the character Shia LaBeouf played in the first three movies with Sam Witwicky, so it's supposed to tie it all together. Did we ever get an explanation as to why they're called Witwickens? As far as I know, their first involvement came with Shia LaBeouf's great-great-grandfather. Yeah, who didn't really seem to know about the Transformers. No, he found one in the ice. Yeah. But these people have been around since Arthur. Yeah. So then it makes it sound like they were an important Transformer-knowing family, and then they forgot about it, and then they really (laughs) learned about it with Shia LaBeouf. Well, so then he starts listing off all the important people who have been Transformer, or who have been in the Order of the Witwickens, which is basically everyone you've ever heard of from Harriet Tubman to Stephen Hawking. Like, <laughs> oh man, how did I miss this entire thing? And he's got oh, pictures of them all on the Genghis wall. Genghis Khan. Galileo. Uh, I mean, like, literally everyone you can think of who's famous, like, was a, in, part of the Order of the Witwickens, which I would think that if Harriet you were Tubman, see, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, what? Harriet Tubman. Because... Like, what she was doing didn't doesn't even make sense. Like, was she also sneaking Transformers out of the South? Like, what... I can only assume. <laughs> what was going on? Like, because then it kind of degrades what they actually did with their lives, because it makes it seem like yeah, it was all actually just a plot to keep Transformers secret. I know. Yeah, because I'm like, I would assume that the Order of the Witwickens would be a bunch of people I'd actually never heard of, because their job was to be secret. Did they actually list Stephen Hawking? Yeah, they did. Which makes no sense because he was still alive at the time the movie was made. Yeah, and later the prime minister says, I thought they all died out. Well, and he he says, I'm the last of the Order of the Witwickens. Oh, really? He says that. That's, so, guys. I know. So, yeah, Stephen Hawking was still alive. But also, here's the other thing. We're shown a picture of Sam Witwicky when he's listing everyone off. He's one of the people on the wall. Oh, so yeah. So that means that Sam Witwicky has died. Well, that's a relief. He's died off screen somewhere. And hopefully his parents with him. So then we get the explanation that they're descendants of Merlin, which can't possibly be true because they can't all be descendants of Merlin. But they're somehow related. You don't know how busy he got. Well, actually, we do know because... We are later told that Merlin only has one descendant. So it kind of makes me think that maybe they're just, the order was created by Merlin, not they're actually related to him. Yeah. And also the knights. So it's the product of a pact between the 12 knights of the round table and the 12 knights of Iacon. Legend has it that one last knight will one day be chosen and the struggle to save the world will begin. Cade is that knight, possessing all the qualities of a knight, which include purity of heart, valor, honor, virtue, integrity, and chastity. Most of those things mean the same thing. And a lot of them are not true. Well, yes. Yes. Well, although everyone hooks onto the chastity bit and makes a lot of fun of him for it, which seems a little cruel. That's funny, though, because because when... When his his daughter was on the phone with him, he was she was like, "You don't need to save the world, Dad. What you need is to get a girlfriend." And like she's laughing about it, like it's a joke. But like then later, I, I was kind. Of, I just imagined him being like, "Well, um, a fourteen year old girl just moved in with me, so I think <laughs> I'm doing okay." Yeah. 
Anyway, the two of them have to protect the staff of Merlin, which was fused with his DNA so that only he would be able to use it. Thankfully, Vivian is his last descendant. They're, of course, running out of time since Cybertron is on its way and Megatron's after it, so they better get cracking. Just in case you were bored with all this talking, though, the TRF shows up and they escape only with the help of Hot Rod's gun that can slow time. Yeah, what? Why are there more of these? What's going on? Why haven't all of the Transformers been using this all the time? And Hot yeah. Rod uses it twice in this movie, or maybe a few more times. Three times, I think. But it's, he's the only one that has one. Yeah. Did he invent this himself? Never gone into. It's a very powerful weapon. and Nobody not... even ever mentions, like, wow, that's really helpful. Yeah. So Vivian and Cade go to her father's study to find a clue about where the staff is. And Anthony Hopkins goes to the library to find an ancient book that explains Quintessa's entire plan. So the library that he goes to, John Mm -hmm. Turturro calls him from Cuba and he's like, go to Trinity College Library, which is in Dublin. Yeah. And he just like goes over there and then drives home again. Yep. This pops over for a bit. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> and that's what that honestly was like a lot of this movie where like things were not where they were supposed to be. Like a lot of the scenes that seemed like they should have been shot in London were Oxford. And I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. And also this ancient book explains the whole Quintessa thing of, um, her plan to drain the planet to rebuild Cybertron. But if the plan has been in the works this whole time, why hasn't it happened before now? Like, yeah, I don't understand how the plan is this well formed. And yet nothing happened. Nothing's happened. And also, how did they know this? Quintessa's only recently shown up. Yeah, it seems like the catalyst is, I mean, the Knights could have known about it. But then, like, why did none of the other Transformers know about it? And if the catalyst was her sending bounty hunters to rile up Optimus Prime and get him to come back, why didn't she do it a long time ago? Yeah, and there have been other primes before that that she could have. I mean, this whole... It wouldn't have been hard to get Megatron to do it. Yeah, Megatron's eager to do it. Yeah. So this is really weird. So why didn't you do it before humans had weapons that could hurt you? But he does find out that the key is Stonehenge. That's like the location from where the planet can be drained. Meanwhile, Cade and Vivian head to the Royal Navy Museum, which is where the staff is, or where the study told them to go. Which is in Hampshire, not in London. That's fine. But that's okay. And out of which they... How could we possibly know that? There's no way to be sure. And then they leave from London, and you see them leaving from the Cliffs of Dover. (laughs) England is just all in London, It's mostly London, (laughs) yes. It's like a, a slight suburb. Yeah. And mostly London. That's what I figured. Also, Ireland is just the suburb of London. Yeah, which is connected by land. (laughs) Yes. So it turns out the submarine out front is a transformer, as is everything else on the planet and the planet itself. So it all makes sense. I know. Like, at this point, you should just assume that everything (laughs) you see is a transformer. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins hat? Transformer. (laughs) Yeah. The castle they live in? Probably a transformer. Basically. Also, the people around you probably transform. Probably. So the submarine goes into the water and the TRF's following them and all this. But we also see a shot of, like, Bumblebee holding on to the, the submarine as it goes down. So he's, like, riding down with them. That was how so weird. How is this a transform? Like, how can Bumblebee just hang out fully submerged under the water? Just 
this felt very strange to me. I feel like I understand them being able to get a little bit wet, but like this felt super wet. That was weird to me. And like they're under an insane amount of atmospheres of pressure. Right. Yeah. This is, yeah, a little strange. So the TRF tries unsuccessfully to stop them, of course. (laughs) Uh, And once they're safe, Mark Wahlberg manages to get his shirt off and Vivian suddenly decides she's much more interested in getting to know him. She gets weirdly flustered, but, like, then, and I was like, dude, is this in your contract that, like, you have to have a shirtlet, like, look at my abs scene? He'd clearly been working out, like, right before that, too. Because, like, like, his two abs hours. were, like, insane. Yeah, like, way too much. Yeah. It's not my well, favorite Way look. too much to, to do the casual, like, oh, I can't get this talisman. <laughs> oh, no. This talisman keeps moving around my body. And I'm like, whoa, man. Like, I know. You could have been less less muscular than that and it still would have been impressive no not according to marky mark um then she gets way too flustered yeah like she's never seen a man before yeah i like didn't realize that mark Wahlberg had skin (laughs) um and it kind of ruins it and then at that point you're like wait is she actually just like having some sort of attack (laughs) like it it goes past like she's flustered by his body to like are you okay yeah And now all of a sudden they're like a romantic item, which makes even less sense. But they have a romantic dinner. Yeah, that really rage-filled butler, Cogman. Yeah. He's so tightly wound. Mm -hmm. And, oh, Cogman. Oh, good job. Thanks. He pulls them off each other when they fall on each other. And was like, no, there's a time and a place. And then he's like, and I decided, and it's right now. Here's a candlelit dinner. You know who Cogman actually is? Is, um, was it, it was in Dark of the Moon, I think, that Wash was in? Alan Tudyk? Oh. This is the same character. It's the assistant who's filled with rage. That. But also helpful sometimes. Checks out. Yeah. That is who it is. That's yeah. so Dutch. Weird. That was his name. Dutch. Dutch. Gosh. So they have a romantic dinner, which we don't see because the movie's not interested in their actual relationship, as long as it's set up that they are now romantically interested in each other. And, dear movie, this is why nobody cares. You can't set something up and just be like, great, they know it exists, now they're going to care about it. Exactly. Like, Isabella, remember when she was in the movie? (laughs) Yeah. She's... Distantly? Yeah. (laughs) I don't care what she's doing right now. Meanwhile, Anthony Hopkins visits the Prime Minister and tells him how it's going to be. By very awesomely holding everybody hostage with a tiny Decepticon. Also, it doesn't really accomplish much. No, it doesn't. I don't know why this scene was like, in there, really. Yeah, because the Prime Minister doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't, doesn't do it's not very helpful. Later. But we don't stay there for long anyway, because we go back to the junkyard. I know you were wondering about Isabella. We go back to the junkyard where the Transformers and Isabella decide to go to England to help Cade because they see Cybertron in the sky. But we don't care about them either. So now we're back underwater with Cade and the TRF, who are still behind them, but now not actively trying to attack them. Mm-hmm. They didn't get rid of them. They just stopped them from attacking. Yeah, I somehow. guess. They all discover an alien ship underwater that's actually a tomb. Vivian uses her knowledge of old myths and her Merlin DNA to discover where Merlin is buried. And they accidentally wake up the Transformer Knights while looking for the staff. Which they um, actually found and they tossed it away because it was wood. 
Yeah, they're like, this can't be right. And I'm like, and dear so Lord, they, how long have you been working with Transformer technology to where you're just judging it based on how it first looks? And Mark Wahlberg picks it up and throws it away before Vivian can touch it. And I was like, really? <laughs> you don't want to just, like, try touching everything? Right. The whole thing, the whole deal was that it was only her DNA that was going to work. Let her touch things. Yeah. But the TRF follows them in there and starts a fight with them because that seems like the appropriate thing to do right now. Yeah, yeah. And they're actually fighting the knight, the Transformer knights. Like, they're fighting Kate, but they're really, they're just fighting the Transformer knights. I'm like, guys, you are way outmatched here. Like, you need to get out of here. Yeah, they thought that was the best time to go in looking for the staff. Yeah. Vivian grabs the staff, which activates it, and seems to alert Quintessa as to where it is. But yeah. she must have already known, because Optimus Prime's going to show up real soon. Which means that he was already there. Yeah, that doesn't make sense sense that it's so connected to her because in that case like why couldn't she have found it before yeah she should have been able to also i don't know how she can she can still use it and megatron seems to still be able to use it even though they said only vivian with her merlin dna could use it i think they meant that only only vivian as a human can use it i think only one human can use it yeah well anyway josh jamel and vivian have a standoff over the staff but then Nemesis Prime, who we will all remember as Evil Optimus, <laughs> shows up and interrupts them. He threatens them a lot, and Vivian hands over the staff. And then Nemesis storms off. But Bumblebee follows to try and remind him who he is, mostly by fighting him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's ultimately not how he reminds him. I know. So just as Nemesis is about to kill Bumblebee, Bumblebee regains his voice through the power of friendship? Possibly. I, I, I saw this scene and I was like, did we just switch over to My Little Pony and friendship is magic? What's going on? I feel like it is because earlier in the movie when Day Trader gives them a voice box for him. So yeah. what they made it seem like is that he needs a replacement voice box. So they give him a new voice box and it turns out to be a woman hilariously. And he throws it away super angry. He literally just rips it out of his throat and throws After it away. a bunch. Um, which is funny because they had to take a voice box out. Yeah, I know. To put that one back in, but he just rips it out and he's still able to use his radio signals to talk. Yeah. So I don't, ugh, very confusing. And I guess they put the old one back in, maybe. So I don't know how this works, that he can suddenly talk again in his old voice. But Nemesis is very impressed. He switches back to Optimus. He says, I haven't heard your voice since on Cybertron. And I was like, not at the end of the first movie? When yeah. He fixed his voice? Yeah. That one didn't count? Okay. It was very clearly fixed at the end of the first movie. <laughs> And he said something really dumb. I don't remember what it was. But. <laughs> Sounds like Bumblebee. Yeah. But they don't have time to celebrate because Megatron shows up to rub Optimus's face in his failure. And he takes the staff and leaves because the movie was not long enough yet. Agreed. It should have been four hours. Yeah. The Guardian Knights decide to execute Optimus, but Cade rushes to save him. And his talisman transforms into a sword that's way longer than he is tall, but which he can still lift with ease. And which counteracts physics. Because yeah. the easily wards off the Knights of Iacon sword. The insanely large sword that's wielded by an insanely large robot is easily stopped by a tiny sword wielded by a tiny man. Yep. But the Guardian Knights recognize him as a knight and they spare Optimus's life because of that. Yes, they're angry because They don't he... even try and convince him. Like, no, did you not just see what he did? They're just like, nope, we trust your judgment now more than anything else. Yeah, I know. We have really strict rules, and this is one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they're mad that they said Quintessa is the great deceiver, 
And he's like, she's Satan? But yeah. <laughs> she's the great deceiver. You made the wrong choice. Also, she's the die. great deceiver. Wouldn't you understand her him being fooled? That by was them? my thing. I was like, first of all, he wasn't even just fooled. He was like straight up brainwashed yeah. and electrocuted. There was a red stripe on his face, a sinister red stripe, and his eyes turned Decepticon red. Yeah. Well, they were kind of like purpley. Well, they weren't yeah. exactly Decepticon red, but yeah. Um, but they certainly changed color into a more sinister color. Yeah, it was like, this isn't just, like, him having made a choice. Like, I don't think he did make a choice. Yeah. yeah she whatever. was, like, electrocuting him and stuff. This is hardcore brainwashing. Yeah. But Optimus, because if he has a huge sense of guilt and responsibility. Oh, Optimus. He takes full responsibility for everything, saying, I have doomed Earth. Earth. The only place in the universe whose people let me call it home. Which is a blatant lie. Yeah, for like one movie, maybe. Yeah, like, I guess most of the second movie also. Maybe yeah. the entirety of the second movie. But like, Not by the, the third entirety. movie, everyone hates all. And they've been yeah. fighting, literally in... The last movie, he was going to abandon Earth because he hated humans so much because of the way they were killing off Transformers. Like, don't act like this is your home away from home. You've been having serious problems with humans and Earth for quite a while A now. long time. And yeah. they killed most of your friends. Yeah. So this was a very weird thing to say. But I guess it sounds good. So they included it? Yeah. It he just has to say, He has to say something about how great Earth is every single movie. Yeah, and this is clearly a lie <laughs> from his perspective. Cade gives him a pep talk, though, and then Optimus rallies the Knights and other Autobots, who finally show up from the junkyard, to go to Cybertron and destroy Quintessa. It's actually less of a journey than it sounds. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, because Cybertron is, like, hovering right above the surface by this point. Yeah, it's already, like, touching Earth in yeah. a lot of places. So. Which would be causing so many more problems than they're actually showing with Oh, Earth. I know. They make it sound like as long as Cybertron isn't, like, literally ramming into Earth, yeah. it's not affecting it. I'm like, whoa, the stuff must be messed up right now. Oh, yeah. What's gravity like right now? Yeah. And, yeah. The Decepticons, Anthony Hopkins, and the Army, and TRF, and everyone, show up at Stonehenge, where the planet can be drained by the staff, as we remember. Megatron gives a pompous, annoying speech, which slows him down long enough for Anthony Hopkins and the army to start firing on him. The Decepticons then flee to Quintessa, who activates the staff nowhere near Stonehenge. And then as the humans prepare to fight, Vivian sees the fruition of what she said earlier about the values of myths. And Kate also asks her out on a date because we just need to get we just need to start wrapping up plot points here. How did I miss that? It was awkward and weird, so, and unimportant, not very stressed, yeah. because it was an unimportant plot point. Sounds pretty dumb. Yeah. Also, Isabella and Squeaks sneak on board the ship without anyone noticing How somehow. did they <laughs> even get to where they are right now? How did they get overseas? Like, <laughs> the Autobots brought them. Literally, Hound was like, I'm not a babysitter, let's go. Like, yeah, literally, that was Hound was just like, you're was it's like, not my problem, and I'll like, take you along. If you're you not a babysitter, why did you take a child? She seemed like she was useful. Yeah. Her and her little child robot. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't you leave them to watch the baby Dinobots? Yeah. Seriously, there's like 10 TRF guys and Josh Duhamel and everybody's on the thing. And then she's like, hi, guys. And they're like, what? How'd you get here? And I'm like, no, really. How did you get here? You're just like hiding under some stuff. 
Yeah. Also, it's Bella for have being like Squeaks is my best friend and like the only family I still have is super willing to just like send him into danger. I'm like, yeah, I understand you being willing to give up your life to protect Transformers because you've decided that this is your cause in life. But like, why are you throwing Squeaks in the middle of this? I know that was weird. Also, there were two scenes, I think, where her hair was cut really short because they were reshoots. Oh, that's funny. Couldn't even get her a Kate Mara wig. Yeah. So there's a battle between the Autobots and the Decepticons, um, and Isabella sends Squeaks out into danger to blow up the gun because no one will expect it, and she tells him in her pep talk, you're small, you're something, and you're ugly. No one will see you coming. I'm like, that's so Unnecessary. Did did the ugly part need to be added in there? Like, that's so mean. Come on. Yeah. I mean, he does it. But I'm like, you're really lucky that your friend did not die out there just through just through friendly fire, even. I like, know. this is insane. Hashtag body shaming. <laughs> I know. Optimus then shows up riding a dragon. I don't know where he went, and I don't know why the Knights of Icon decide they would be better off in dragon form than just individually fighting. Also, they showed the dragon like five minutes ago, and now just now it's coming into the fray. Yeah, it makes it seem like he hasn't been really fighting up to this point. Maybe he hadn't been. To be honest, I tend to not remember the the battles very well. Yeah. But he shows up riding the dragon and kills a slew of Infernocons, who are Quintessa's demon transformers. Mm -hmm. They can also transform into something altogether, but I don't know what it is. It wasn't... It's just one giant like horned thing. Yeah. It was harder looks for like me a to demon. identify though. It, oh, it's called Infernicus. That checks out. Yeah. So that makes sense. The army orders all the humans out because they're going to bomb the place. But Vivian and Cade go back for the hero play with Vi- and Vivian grabs the staff with Cade's help while Optimus and Bumblebee fight Megatron and then Quintessa. Once Vivian detaches the staff and Quintessa is killed, the earth is saved and Optimus sums everything up in a nice voiceover that repeats basically everything he's been saying for the past four movies. Our fates were always intertwined, but now our worlds are joined as one. We need to repair our planets, work together, if we wish to survive. He and Megatron also had the, we were brothers once, once. Like, they have to do that every single time. You've already killed Megatron once. He's already almost killed you a bunch of times. Like, come on. Actually, he did kill him once. Yeah. So, like, I think we're over the whole we were brothers once bit. Yeah. Y'all need to get over that. Yeah. And that's basically the end of the movie. We don't really wrap anything else up. There's no further discussions or no Well, we wrapped up Anthony Hopkins' storyline. He died. Yeah, I forgot to mention, Anthony Hopkins did die. His robo-butler. He's not coming back for the sequel, guys. Yeah, That was firmly in his contract. He's like, I did my several days. I got paid. (laughs) Yeah. Fine. Um, His robo-butler was like, you've been waiting 71 years for this. And I was like, he was 79 when this was shot. I don't get why you would age him down at this stage in his life. <laughs> it's not like Hollywood's going to start thinking he's too old pretty soon. Yeah. That was bizarre to me. Also, the clothes that Cade and Vivian find on the submarine and keep changing into. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that they just say HMS everywhere on them? Oh, yeah. Like they're supposed to have been there from the World War. Right. 
And no one cleaned off the sub when they and they put made it in the museum. They made wife beaters that would fit Mark Wahlberg <laughs> back then. And also, they just say HMS, not HMS something. Yeah, that's like people in the Navy wearing shirts that say USS on them. Yeah, and nothing else. Yep. So there is also a mid-credit scene. Oh yeah, there is. Which is the sequel setup, the end of the sequel setup, which won't be the next movie that comes out. The next movie that comes out will be the Transformers prequel, but then after this, presumably, there will be another Transformers movie. I can't even imagine. Ugh, I mean, clearly it will be about Unicron, but like, these series has gotten so incredibly complicated. This was one of the most complicated movies I've seen in a really long time. Yeah, same. But the, in the mid credit scene, Quintessa just is disguised as a human, and she shows up to some guy who's studying one of Unicron's horns and offers to tell him how to kill him. And that's what it is. And what she said was really weird, though. She just walked up to the guy, and she was like, don't touch him. He doesn't like that. Yeah. And he was like, who doesn't like what? And I was (laughs) like, wow, that's bold of them to just have him say what the audience is thinking. (laughs) Um, And she's like, but I can show you how to kill him. Yeah, it's like, I don't think this guy was aiming to do anything like that. Yeah, I feel like he's just walking through the desert. Yeah. Because um, he was out there all by himself. He looked like a hiker. Yeah. Which is bizarre enough. Yeah, exactly. Also, also, don't do that. He doesn't like it. I can help you kill him, though. Right. That was weird. But you don't want to mildly annoy him. Yeah. That's too much. <laughs> we We glossed over a scene. We had a flashback to Arthur and his knights. Um later in the movie and they were sitting in a bunch of ruins and they were gothic ruins it's maybe <laughs> 500 these gothic ruins wouldn't have been built until at least 900 yeah and i was like they wouldn't have been ruins then yeah i know that we just think that everything looked like that back then <laughs> but it didn't it was actually new then oh cool and ruins. that like wasn't even built yeah. so good job <laughs> And they had a lot of stuff like that in this movie where they just, like, time-wise, like, the armor and the weapons that they used, plate armor, wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't really being used then. Yeah. But th- this is one of those movies that, like, if you really wanted to go through detail by detail the insane things that were happening and the nonsense, like, the illogic of everything, it would be five hours. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, this movie is so ridiculous and so nuts. And they just crammed so much in there. Why did they have so much plot in this movie? It didn't need it. Yeah, I mean, it it was weird. Like, um, we didn't mention it, but Tony Hale came back and, like, was helping plot how to stop the energy transfer from Earth. Yeah, that's why the army wanted to bomb it. Yeah, and, and like, all of this stuff that just didn't need to happen. Yeah, and the army, like, Josh Jumel is constantly fighting with the guy who's the representative of the TRF. Yeah, and at the end they, like, tear their badges off and they, like, their TRF thing, which just Velcroed on, apparently. (laughs) And they just tear them off and they're, like, on the ground and they're like, oh, we're all in this together. But you don't spend enough time with anybody to care about any of this. Yeah, and I feel like, because the problem is, if we're supposed to care about the TRF guys, then we shouldn't have Kate in the movie. Yeah. Because then the the humans we should care about are the TRF. Yeah, exactly. Just like, if we're supposed to care about Kate's relationship with Vivian, we shouldn't have Kate's relationship with Isabel, or Isabella up front. Yeah. Because now we just have two relationships that never coincide and don't affect each other, and neither one is built up very well. Yeah, they don't go anywhere. Yeah. 
And it's it's also the kind of thing of like when Anthony Hopkins is giving a bunch of background detail, we also don't need John Turturro. Yes. Because Anthony Hopkins can tell us all that. Except that we wanted to bring him back from an old movie. Oh, gosh. Did we? Well, they did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we didn't need to include um, Hound Drift and Crosshairs. No, they... Because they were hardly in it. I mean, you could have them to where they're still alive, but why did we need to bring them back for the finale other than they're still alive? Like... There's yeah, just so many, because they're not in most of it. Similarly, Grimlock. Yeah. So other than letting us know that these are still alive and possibly in play for future movies, like, they either should have been there the whole time or they didn't need to be there at all. Yeah. Because this movie was so insanely complicated, it, it really, it was just sucking up extra brain power from me. Yeah. And I watched it twice. I know. I watched it through once, and then the second time I watched it through taking notes, and I still, there were still questions I had about how things happened or why things made sense. And I don't know if that was because there was literally so much going on that I couldn't keep track of things that I was supposed to, or if it just didn't make sense. And I, it was never explained. Yeah. But it's impossible for me to tell. This is also the last, Mark Wahlberg said this was the last movie that he was going to be in. Thank goodness. Cade was such a boring character. I know. And he was so angry all the time. <laughs> he was really he was angry. angry about everything at everyone. Yeah. Um, Michael Bay also said this was the last Transformers he was going to direct. He has said that before. Mm-hmm. But because of other projects he's working on, it does seem really likely that he's not going to come back. At least for a while. clearly it's not the last one they're planning on making because they hardcore set up the sequel. Oh, yeah. And this movie made a ton of money. It's not like this franchise is going away anytime soon because the budget was at most, there's more of an estimate than usual, but at most it was $260 and it made $600 Wow. This one spent the least amount of time in theaters in the U.S., though. I think... This is also the lowest rated one. Yeah. Critically. But I think, you know, if they get the budget down on these, it will probably still make the same amount. And it will probably be more comprehensible. They literally, so here's the thing. They were, they were just throwing money away on this unnecessarily. Like there were scenes. So there's a scene where we flash back to see Bumblebee fighting in, alongside the allies during World War II. It's unimportant. Yeah. It's unimportant, but it must have cost a fortune because now, in addition to the Arthurian stuff and the modern day stuff and all of the fight scenes and the Transformers CGI that everyone's having to pay for, you're also having to pay for one throwaway scene of a Nazi fight. Yeah, and they also, like, shot outside of Number 10 Downing Street. Yeah. For real. Like, a lot of this stuff... Just didn't need to happen. Yeah. And they shot at Stonehenge. Yeah. So those are things where it's like you could easily get the budget down on this and it would probably make about the same amount, really. Do you know that Michael Bay actually asked to do an explosion scene at Stonehenge on location? Well, can you believe that? That's pretty crazy. Not surprisingly, he was told no. Yeah. So the next movie is an equally historically accurate film. Mm -hmm. Basically a documentary. Yes. Pompeii. The Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Stars uh, Kit Harington, Emily Browning, Kiefer Sutherland, Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, yeah. 
should be a good one. Will they save it? Will they fall in love? Will they? (laughs) Yes, all four of them are going to fall in love. (laughs) Yes. I hope so. Me too. Well, two of them have to try and stop the other two from falling in love. Ooh, But maybe they can fall in love with each other while trying to stop the other two from falling in love. Yeah, because then they, yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. So that's what's next on More Is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.